Welcome everyone to tonight's E&E training. This is how to share the gospel at work, which is a very applicable topic for so many people in our day and age. And we have a very special guest joining us this evening. We have Mike Williams. He is the CEO of M Companies, which is located in the Texas area. And for those of you who this is your first time joining us for the E&E training, my name is Ali Carr, and I'm the Director of Special Projects at International Commission. And I've had the privilege of serving at IC for almost three years now. So in addition to hosting these online trainings, I also help with our marketing, our fundraising events, as well as social media and some other things. But this is one of the favorite parts of my role. I love hosting these trainings. So thank you for joining us tonight. If you have any feedback, questions, concerns, or want to know about past or future trainings, feel free to email me anytime at allison.car at ic-world.org. So I know that we have some new faces on here tonight. So if you are new to either E&E trainings or to International Commission in general, our mission is equipping and enabling believers worldwide to conduct church-based evangelism projects so that we can reach unbelievers and make disciples. So that's where we get the E and E from in our E and E training. It is equipping and enabling training. So everything we do at International Commission is really filtered through this mission of we want to equip and enable believers all over the world to share the gospel and make disciples because that is what we are here to do. So thank you again for um, spending the next hour with us this evening to do just that, to get equipped and enabled. So in addition to our E&E trainings, we also have the E&E show, which is a little bit different. You can find the E&E show on our YouTube channel. You can go to YouTube and type in International Commission. And that's a shorter version, sometimes 30, 45 minutes long of an interview style with a prominent figure um, in the evangelical world. Sometimes it's a pastor, an author, a speaker. Um, so if you want a little bit more training there, you can check out the E&E show. We also have a free storytelling with purpose evangelism toolkit. So this is for you. This was designed with believers of all ages and stages in mind. It's a free download on our website at internationalcommission.org. And it has a variety of videos, PDF guides, instructions in just different tools and ways to share your faith and how to share your testimony. Because again, that's what we're here to do, to equip and enable you. And we know that there can be some apprehensions and some fears in sharing your faith and how to transition a simple conversation into a spiritual conversation. So if you're interested and want to learn more how to share your faith and different ways to do that, download the Evangelism Toolkit on our website. If you want to see any of our past trainings, you can go to vimeo.com and just search International Commission and you'll see all of our past E&E trainings. We've been doing these now since September of 2020. So we have quite a variety of topics and presenters. Um, we've shared how to share the gospel with different religions as well as um, how to strategically pray for the lost. So just lots of different topics. So if you want to check out more, it's on Vimeo. And finally, if you are an avid reader and you love hearing stories of what God is doing around the world, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of our book, Global God, A Journey with God on the Great Commission. That's available on Amazon for less than $10. You can get the paperback copy or the Kindle version, but it's written by the staff of International Commission, and it just has story after story of miraculous things that God has done around the world. So I, I always love a good mission story and a testimony. So if you're interested in that, you can head on over to Amazon and pick yourself up a copy. So with every e, &E training, um, we ask three questions. So why are you here? What's the purpose? What's the gospel? Um, so to start off just quite simply, what is the gospel? Gospel means good news, and the good news is that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, and the son of God is Jesus Christ. We're about to celebrate Christmas now, and so we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, and so this good news is that God sent him to earth to die for our sins and take the penalty, which should have been ours. So if that's the good news, what is our role with this good news. 
Well, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus gave his disciples this command, and he gives this command to every believer, and that's to go and make disciples of all nations and to teach them to obey everything I have commanded. So because you're on here tonight, that is what we are encouraging you to do, is to fulfill this commission the Lord has given us. And finally, if we know the gospel, if we know our role, then how should we share this good news? It says in 1 Peter, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So that's really the key words here. We want to encourage you to share this good news with gentleness and respect. You're not trying to win an argument. You really don't want to win someone over with, um, with arguing with them, but be prepared to give an answer as much as it depends on you, but to do it with gentleness and respect. So that's what we want to share and encourage you with this evening. Um, before we get started with our training specifically, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our special guest. Tonight we have with us Michael B. Williams, and he's been a partner of International Commission for several years now. He's the author of a very recent book that just came out a few months ago titled The Trail in the Woods, and it's a gift of biblical wisdom to sons. Micah served in the business world for almost 30 years now and serves as the chairman of M Companies, which is a portfolio of small businesses serving the transportation, food service, and real estate industries. Mike and his wife, Molly, co-founded um, a ministry called Many Mansions, which is a charity that provides life-giving resources to widows and orphans with a concentration on single moms in Somerville, Hood and Johnson counties in Texas. So if you're from Texas, maybe those ring a bell to you, but wonderful opportunity and charity that they founded. Mike also serves as the elder for Stonewater Church. And Mike and Molly together share a combined family of five children and one daughter-in-law, and they live in Glen Rose, Texas, and they have been residing there for the last 22 years. So without any further ado, Mike, welcome to tonight, and I'm just so grateful that you've taken time out of your very busy schedule to teach us how to share the gospel at work. What does that look like? Allison, thank you very much for having me. Uh, very honored. Love what I see does, and I uh, just really appreciate this platform, this opportunity to to share what I've learned and continue to learn about sharing Christ at work. So uh, I'd like to start with my own story. Um, I, I came to Christ when I was, was 10 years old, but I, I heard the gospel in church several times. Uh, I wish I could tell you the first time I heard the gospel, I climbed over the pews and said, hey, save me. It just didn't happen that way, even at 10. Uh, but I'd heard the gospel, and then it wasn't until I went away to the woods behind this, this apartment complex where there were some woods, and it wasn't it was just this little wooded area, and I just sensed God's presence, and I felt that the story of the gospel just, um, just compel me to confess who he was and who I was, and uh, so that, that's how, how, how my, my journey started, so I was baptized shortly thereafter. And then I started this, this journey of just being a kid in, in church, right? Uh, just, and I would call that my surrogate spirituality years. So I say surrogate spirituality because it was really my faith in my parents in Christ. And I had not really been challenged or load tested, I like to say, in my faith. Uh, when I was about 18 years old, uh, my family went through a very difficult time. It was in the uh, mid to, mid 80s when oil filled just crashed, oil went from $32 a barrel to $7 a barrel, household lifestyles, lifestyles were, were lost, people lost their families, and I, I got punched in the, in the face, <laughs> so if you could say, and what I knew about God at that time, I was really angry at, so uh, went off to college, um, just rebelled, bad, some, some bad behavior, and just, just, uh, just living a broken life in a broken world. I didn't hear the gospel again until I was 22. Now, I know that I was saved, but, you know, the word tells us faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. And what's amazing is every time we hear the word, 
in my experience has been it my faith grows so i heard it from a coworker, and uh, this this guy's name was brett mock and uh, i don't know if brett's listening but brett was uh, a co-worker at bennegan's and las colinas this was a restaurant you remember that chain back in the day and uh the uh, the restaurant that I worked at, I was a waiter and also a bartender, and uh, I felt like I was a pretty tough guy, and Brett just had this presence, this peace about him all the time, and Brett, one day after we closed down the restaurants, probably one in the morning, we're there at Williams Square in Las Colinas Irving, I've uh, got my shoes off, my feet are in the fountain, and, and Brett's standing in front of me, and all of a sudden, he starts talking about Jesus. And I was not prepared for it. And I, I remember being offended. I remember that, hey, we've got this, this we're in a cool spot right now. Why are you going to talk about Jesus? And he starts uh, talking about how, how, what difference Christ has made in his life. And I, I knew something was up with him. I didn't know what it was. But there was something up with this guy. And when he shared who Christ was to him and what he'd done in his life, what was remarkable is I instantly tried to debate him. I, I wanted to say, well, yeah, this is what happened in my church experience, or, or what about dinosaurs? I tried to just take him on a tangent, and what he did was patiently and in love to say, man, I don't know about that stuff, or I'm sorry those happened to you in your experience, but, but this is what, what God has done in my life, and, uh, and that was it, uh, but it, he planted a seed, and, uh, and it started a journey. So I would call that my own spiritual life. At that point, I started to seek him. And at about the age of 26, I started to really, really seek him in, in earnest. And in Psalm 105.4, uh, the word there says to seek him always, seek his face always. And I started to, to seek him then. I'm, I'm still seeking him now. So that was kind of my faith journey. So sharing Christ at work. I, I love this. This concept of, of sharing Christ, not not just the gospel. Gospel is extremely important. It's 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 key, but sharing Christ and um, why it's important we share it at work is just the numbers. So it's where the people are, and if the numbers are right, it's where you are too. So this is the a graph in the bottom left hand corner from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. From the age of twenty five to fifty four, that's twenty nine years, we will on average live one-third of our life at work. So that's one-third of your life. And then ironically, another third is spent sleeping. And the last third is maybe you get in a sandwich, maybe you get to raise a kid, take a shower. I mean, everything has to be crammed in to that last third, including church and worship. So if you took on average of how much time we are interacting with one another, if you took a 29-year work career, for instance, and let's say someone went to church every Sunday for one hour, that's only 1,508 hours versus 90,000 hours that were at work. And with COVID, we've, we've seen this. People, a lot of folks have not come back to church. And you could make the case, I know many folks work remotely, but you could make the case that the, the new um, mission field is, is the workplace. It's probably been the mission field, but we have to look at it with, with new eyes, with people not coming back to, to church in this way. So the last part I want to talk about and when we share Christ is when we lead others uh, or we lead someone to Christ, we, we go first. So, so I love the, the concept that, that not only do we have uh, an ability to share Christ, but we also get to live out our faith as well. And they see our faith load tested. So uh, with that, let's go to the next slide. So I'm a big acronym fan. You probably figured that out by now. So I might have butchered the attitude a little bit, but I'll explain it. So, so the way we share Christ at work is, uh, is, is share, S-H-A-R-E. And we're going to walk through those. But the first thing I want to talk about when we talk about sharing Christ at work, what I'm not going to spend time on much is how we emulate that and how we do our business. Um, as Ali mentioned, uh, we get the blessing and the favor of stewarding some companies and, and how we emulate that we belong to Christ in those businesses is, is first how we work. And in Colossians 3.23, we, we work as if we're working for God, not for man. Um, honesty is kind of where we start. If someone ever compliments you on being honest, it's, it might be kind of like a backhanded compliment, like, 
is it something new for me, you think? <laughs> so so we, we start our, how we emulate Christ with, with honesty. It's not something we aspire to be. It's something that we should just be. The world even says that. And then finally, the why we work. Uh, and that has a lot to do with, with where these resources go and who they belong to. So I want to just kind of plug that in there before we went to, um, to the rest of the slides. So let's, uh, let's start with S. So S is for sacrifice. So Jesus modeled what love is. And the greatest form of love is sacrifice. And so you may say, Michael, how does that affect me? What does that mean in my life? So it may start with, we just have to put ourselves on the altar. Before you go too far with that, that means to, it may means that we have to inconvenience ourselves. And Jesus modeled this and he ran to hurts, to the hurting, whether it was with lepers, um, whether it's with the blind, that he's, he's crouched down in, in the dirt, spitting on dirt, creating mud, wiping on the eyes of a blind man and, and blessing him. So he was, he had a lot of touch. He was there in the Sermon on the Mount. When we see the, the scripture tell us that Jesus saw the multitude and he had compassion upon them. Compassion is an interesting word there. It's a Greek term that means, it's almost like a medical term. It means to be punched in the stomach. So if you can imagine that, that compassion, that hurt for the lost is how Jesus saw them. So, so the short version might be that carrying costs. So be prepared, uh, pray, because it may very well be the thing that keeps us from sharing the gospel is we're so, and, and I know it's been that way with me, is I get so caught up in the me, I forget about the message. So John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And, and our laying our life down may be just less cinematic than what God, what Jesus did and what God did. It may just be minutes and moments that we're sacrificing our comfort, that we're sacrificing our schedules, that we're sacrificing having to go into someone else's mess uh, to demonstrate that we're really going to love. So, and the last part I will, I will mention about sacrifice. Um, vulnerable, vulnerability is a big deal. So, in this practical application, convenience, inconvenience yourself in Christ-like love. Be vulnerable in your testimony. So we talked about being prepared to give an answer. I love that, 1 Peter 3.15. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have. And we're going to talk about that more in the next slide. But the vulnerability that, that we bring in our testimony may be sacrificial. It may be that we're actually having to share something that we didn't get right, that we failed at. Um, I think some are defensive to the gospel because they may be hearing us say, hey, I'm a perfect Christian. You ought to try it out. It's really great. It's fantastic. I have no problems. And you ought to just come join us. And first off, that's insincere because we know we live in a broken world. But also, it just gives them no place to say, yeah, me too. So that could be sacrificial. And, and um, that's just something we should kind of take stock of before before we think we're thinking about sharing Christ at the office. So uh, let's go to the next slide, please. Hey, but by the way, Allie, anytime during this, if, there, if you have any questions coming in from folks, you can chime in. Um, I'm just going to kind of go um, with uh, what we have here in the slides. Well, yeah, Mike, let me interject um, for just yeah. a moment and ask a question. Based off of your testimony, you said that um, one of your coworkers started talking about Jesus kind of out of nowhere, and you were a little bit offended, like, hey, I thought we were having a good time, and now you're talking about God. Um, what would you say to people that have that same feeling you did is, I don't want to offend anyone. Um, based off of your personal experience, what would you then tell them? Yes, so this is what Brett did. So um, in, in Colossians 3, 4 through 5, I think it is, the word talks about um, to, 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 to be wise in the way that we approach outsiders mm -hmm. uh, because every one of those is, is an opportunity and to be wise in the way we approach them and to be gentle. And he was, 
he knew probably that my arguments were just paper tigers. They were, they had nothing really to do with Jesus and what he did. At no time did my argument have anything to do with what Christ did and who he was. And rather than engaging that and picking that up and going to battle me, he just shared what Christ had done. So I think that's a lot. I know that's one of the things that keeps me from sharing Christ is I think about me first. What's this going to cost me? So I don't know if I answered your question at all, but mm-hmm. that's that's what Brett did. He was very gentle with me and, and patient. Yeah. And I think another key part of your testimony is the fact that um, you didn't make any huge changes overnight from that one conversation. You didn't rededicate your life, but you said that was the first seed again, that was planted in your life that put you on that spiritual journey again. So we just have to remember, we can't expect that just from one conversation, someone might come to Christ right then and there they could, and that would be amazing. But, um, God has just asked us to be faithful and to share and to be obedient. And that's what Brett did for you. And look where you are now, just based off of that one conversation one night. That's right. That's right. The, the word says the full of grace, but with a little salt, a little right. salt and uh, the salt preserved, the salt saves. And what's funny, the word salvation is actually a term derived from salt to, to preserve, to save. Mm-hmm. So sprinkle a little salt in there. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to bring the whole truck, but that's what he did. So uh, that helped there. So good question. Very good question. So so let's let's go to hope. H is for hope. Always be prepared to give, be prepared to give an answer to to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness. There it is again. And respect. Model hope and be expectant. Believe God will do something good with a little faith. So it's impossible to please the Lord without faith. So before we take hold of um, of sharing our faith and sharing Christ at work, it's so important that we believe what we're talking about. So the reason hope is so important is, is it's, it helps them to understand that, that we believe what we're talking about. And also because God is going to bless that hope. So let's go to um, uh, Acts 12, 14 through 17. Here's a perfect example. Uh, a practical example of of hope at work. So here's here's Peter, and, and Peter's in jail, and you have this this group of people that have come together. They're worshiping. They're praying. They're praying for Peter. And if you don't think there's any humor in the Bible, just keep reading. So they're they're praying for Peter. Peter is released. God releases Peter from jail. He breaks him out. Peter's knocking on the door. And this little girl, Rhoda, comes to the door and, and answers the door. And there's Peter. And he says, hey, it's me. And then she goes, she just leaves the door, runs in and says, it's Peter has been released from jail. And, and no one believes her. So it's just, it's much like if we hope and anticipate for good things to happen, it's much like it's saying when you pray for rain, take an umbrella. So, so be be expectant that something God is going to do something good. So here's James 1, 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And this isn't in your own strength. It's not in my own strength. But speak expectantly. And the last place, last thing here is refrain from sarcasm. Now, now I want to confess, uh, I love British humor, and I love uh I love to laugh. I love to be funny when I can, or think I'm funny, my kids would say. But but sarcasm um, can be used, I think. Uh, I think Romans 6.1, uh, Paul writes, should we keep on sinning that grace should abound? Surely not. It's rhetorical, right? But that sarcasm, if we speak it fluently, people won't know when we're speaking truth or not. And I, and I say that, and it convicts myself, and that's not very hopeful if we're always speaking and thinking negatively. So uh, I've, I've got work to do there, but it's important to put it down there. So, um, so that's how we can model hope. All right, let's go to the next one. All right, attitude. So the attitude, the A for attitude is uh, an attitude of joy. So remember where your strength comes, comes from, for it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. I want you to listen closely to this. This isn't Bible, but I believe this thoroughly. 
Our joy or lack of it is the billboard by which others will see Christ. So if we're not modeling joy in our life, it's time to get quiet with the Lord and see what's going in ourselves. We can't be that billboard until we accept the gift and the joy that comes with it. So in Matthew 5, 1, it's this, this section of the Bible called the Beatitudes. And even those who are agnostic or atheistic have looked at this part of scripture with awe. And it's the time when Jesus is talking about blessed be. And the word blessed be there is a Greek word uh, called makarios. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. And makarios does not mean happy. Happy is kind of the cheap version of joy or the world's version of joy. Makarios in blessed be and then, then a list of things that no one would have to want to have to be like blessed be those who are poor in, in spirit, right? Blessed be, be those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and blessed be and all these things that we, we just wouldn't want to be. Um, and then in James, we see James 1, 2 through 4 that, you know, consider it pure joy when you experience, you know, all these hardships. So joy in, in Makarios is something different than happiness. So, so this is how I want to talk about joy. When we see joy and we have an attitude of joy, it's an overcoming that creates joy. Joy comes from victory. Victory means we have an adversary. So this is the part at work that we can, we can model because this is a broken world. How many of you at work have not run into some heart-wrenching, tough situations? Um, and, and in life, you're going to be around people who are just dealing with life, with the loss of loved ones, to questions about their own identity and what they're doing and are they doing it right? And joy comes from overcoming. So as we model that joy, then that is part of our testimony. And, and that's something we have to remember who we are, that, uh, that you're alive into the world, you're more than a conqueror. We have to accept that identity that God has given us and that, that, um, that Jesus has all authority in, in heaven and earth. And we, and we have access to that with Christ in us. Mike, you make a really good point with your practical application here about speaking of God's victories and also mm -hmm. of current battles that you face. That's an excellent way just to be relatable with people you work with while giving glory to God and, and speaking of God, because we aren't without hope. Um, we have hope and it's anchored in Christ. And so I think that's a really good way um, to be relatable in our workplaces, not like you had mentioned earlier, not acting like you have it all together and everything's right. good all the time. But no, we are also facing challenges in our life, whether it's with our children or uh, maybe even our workload itself or um, just a personal problem. And I think that's a great way to share your testimony is sharing that I'm struggling with this, but I'm praying and I have wow. um, Christian brothers and sisters who are praying for me and encouraging me and just, yeah, speaking about your own personal testimony in life to others, I think can really be a good opportunity to open that door to transition those conversations to something spiritual. That's, that's true. And it's, and Allie, when we forget that that's, um, that's so integral to our relationship, I mean, Nehemiah 8.10 says that joy of the Lord is, is your strength. If we forget where our strength comes from, it's, it's hard to do anything, much less share Christ. So, so that's so integral to it. And that's something I have to remember. So speak of God's victories, but also of current battles and faith. And I think that, again, back to that vulnerability and being uh, transparent, it's important. So next slide. Okay, R is for rely. So how can we rely on the Lord? So a lot of times I think, one of the reasons that we don't share Christ is we're afraid that we're going to be rejected. We're going to be rejected. We're going to be embarrassed um, that I'm going to be somehow um, cast out or, or looked at differently or that I'm just going to get it wrong. I mean, that's, I'll just raise my hand. I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess it up. So why bother? Right. So 
it's good to be reminded that we do not give the increase the Lord does. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through 8 reads, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. So relying means relying on what God is going to do, that he provides the growth. And I think that's where in, where in Brett's case, he didn't feel like he had to drag me to heaven that night. He didn't feel like he had this load on him. And it, it was in his peace and in his countenance that he just said, hey, this is what I've experienced. This has been my walk and my journey. And I'd love to do it with you. That was it. And that's all it took. So, um, so I've heard it said recently, you know, Jesus did the dying. He does the saving. So he, he's the one that paid for salvation and he provides that. So it's, it's important that we realize that. And then we point. So in, in the Great Commission, we're told not to just go and save people. We're to go and make disciples. And to disciple someone means that we're going to need the church family. Um, God's word, God's spirit, and God's people to come alongside us and do that. So rely on the Lord, the full body of Christ, and don't feel like you are in the position to save someone. And, and just as a warning, a fair warning, if the only Jesus they get to experience is the Jesus in you, and they attach themselves to you, and only you and that, you're going to be on the hook for a lot. And you're not going to be able to withstand all that. At least I haven't. So so they need to be able to have the entire church. And I've, I've had a conversation once where uh, a man was told me that I was his spiritual beacon. And he wasn't interested in church, wasn't interested in anything, but he was interested in me and my faith. And that's back to that surrogate spirituality. So again, rely on the Lord, rely on his, his, his church, his people, his word, his spirit, and don't think that you have to do it all. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's good. Mike, we have a question here about accountability partners in the workplace. So how do you mm. feel about um, having someone in your workplace that you can rely on and help remind you of the joy that you need and all the other attitudes that allow us to share Jesus? Yeah, that's that's so important. Um, it's funny. Accountability, in my experience, has been a funny word. I always kind of like accountability when it's kind of this random subject. But when it's accountability with some someone in myself, it's a little different. Mm -hmm. So uh, I like to use the word equity. When you have equity with someone, when you've walked through life with someone, and you, then you give them permission to speak into your life, that is a special thing. It worked for anywhere else. So yes, I think accountability is good. But I think accountability also means that you have uh, a cheerleader, somebody that's saying, hey, man, you're doing a great job. I saw what you did there. And we continue to encourage one another as we see the day approaching. So sure, that sharpening that takes place as well as the encouragement. So mm -hmm. absolutely. That's yeah. really good. I like, I like that term you use, equity. That's really yes. good. <laughs> yes. so, Very much so for, for instance, I would not come up, uh, I would not approach someone, and you would probably receive this well. If, if we had never met, I walked up to you and said, hey, you know, I really think your prayer life is suffering. And that was our mm -hmm. introduction. There is no equity there. Hey, who are you? So. Yeah, that comes with uh, with some some shared battles sometimes. Mm -hmm. And Good one question. more question. One more question about your friend. Um, what was it, Brett? Brett. Huh? Brett. Brett yes. What was uh, what was Brett's tone when he was talking with you about Jesus? He was like a surfer. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, you know, everything's really good. This is like, and and that's one of the things working with Brett was, uh, and you know, I haven't talked to Brett, I talked to him recently, but before I realized this and wanted just to thank him, it'd been decades. So he lives up in North Carolina now. I'm not going to give his address. He wouldn't like that, I guess. But bottom line is he's, uh, he, he was just real gentle in spirit. Uh, and, and, you know, this first Peter 3.15, he was just really gentle and nothing mm -hmm. seemed to get under his skin. And that kind of bothered me a little bit because I was kind of a, kind of a fiery young man. Uh, but it didn't bother me like I was mad. I wanted to know what was up with him because I wanted the peace that was in him. And he, and he mm -hmm. was modeling peace. Wow. Excellent. Thank you. Good questions.
So let's go to the, uh, the last one. E is for exercise. So one of the things that really compelled me about International Commission, now I love the model that, 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 and the approach because it's very biblical. So you point to the church, you point to Jesus and discipleship and knowing it's a process, but there's prayer that takes place before people are uh, approached. So if you're not familiar with the International Commission model, uh, prayer takes place in a, in a region uh, months before um, the gospel is being shared with individuals. So, and then once they come to Christ, which they do, then they are welcomed and, and discipled into a, lo a local church. So it's not just that they declare and then like a slap on the back, good luck, go get them tiger. It's they, they have a body of believers around them that are now going to to walk out faith with them. So exercising our faith might be, might be one of the most difficult, challenging parts of sharing Christ uh, because we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. So Romans 2.12 talks about, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I heard it recently. The transformation is an indication of the application of the information. You get that? Transformation is the indication of the application of the information. So that's our living testimony. And we're going to have to exercise our faith and live among other believers and, and walk and talk and experience life and hardship and at the same time just knowing that 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 our the mercies are new every morning and that's where the walking life and walking faith out um, is so important in exercising that so the uh, practical application here is let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven the word repent is um means something different maybe than I think, at least I, I thought it. I thought re repent means don't be bad anymore. But repent means, it, it, the term there is metanoia. Meta meaning beyond or, or to change. And, and noia is of the mind. It means to change your mind. So our transformation and how we are being transformed and how we walk alongside someone in their faith is, is so important as our belief affects our behavior. So I'd like to, to, to wrap up at least this part of the presentation with a, with a story. So my granddad was uh, Dwight Reed, Dwight, Dwight Willard Reed, grew up in Pear Valley, Texas. And uh, he had a third grade education, World War II veteran, and was a truck driver. I think he drove about 2 million miles without an accident. And the whole time he was working really hard, uh, what, what they called the greatest generation where he came from, my grandmother was, was, was going to church. And when I had heard from Brett, his testimony and started wanting to look into my faith, my own faith, that's where I went. I went to church with my, my Nino, my, my grandmother. But the whole time, my grandfather, he wouldn't go to church. Even after retiring, she went, he didn't go. It wasn't until he was 79 years old that he said, okay. He said, okay. And he, uh, he confessed his faith in the Lord, believed in his heart. Jesus was Lord and, and, um, and he was raised from the dead. And, uh, and I got to baptize him. So I, I tell you that story is... As we share Christ at work or anywhere else, to pray, pray, and just keep praying and just don't give up. Because about the time we're like, I guess, I guess Pop's just not going to walk walk through it. Call him Papa. And he did. So, so if you're thinking about this is just too hard, I can't do it, or they're not listening to me, just know, uh, just don't don't give up says in Isaiah, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save and his ear is not too dull to hear. So no, Amen. no one is ever too 
far, um, too far gone, too old, too young. Um, so yes, that, that is such a good encouragement and reminder. Thanks for sharing that, Mike. My pleasure. Thank you. We are going to transition into our breakout rooms now. So if you have been on any trainings before, um, you know, toward the end of our training, we have a time where we really want you to participate because we want you to put what you've learned into practice. So for the next four minutes, you are going to discuss in your breakout rooms, the questions you can see right on the screen is, um, what keeps you from sharing the gospel in your specific workplace? You're in a safe space here with other believers who um, are different ages, different genders, different workplaces, lots of different life experiences. So you can really learn and gain encouragement from one another. So discuss that amongst yourself, as well as share some practical ways for how you can emulate Christ in your specific workplace. So in just a second, you are going to see um, the rooms pop up on your screen. You can go ahead and join your breakout room and we will meet right back here in the main session in four short minutes. We are going to ask Mike a few questions now before we wrap up. These are really good and um, like I said earlier, just very applicable to many people's lives. So even if you didn't submit a question, maybe you can relate with the questions here. Um, first, Mike, what would you say is the difference between a Christian business and a Christian owned and operated business? Or is there a difference? Wow. Um, so I would hope there wouldn't be. So so here's, and not to be glib or, or um, Jesus juke anybody, but yeah. A Christian business is not owned by the Christian. It's owned by the Lord. And I say that because um, that's, that's almost, it almost takes you off the hook in a way. It's like, this is God's anyway. And if it, if it fails or if it does great, um, it's, it belongs to the Lord and it's in his hands. And, and that's part of my story, uh, share another time, but the, it takes a lot of pressure off when you know it really does belong to the Lord. And I'm, I'm a co-worker with my co-workers and I still have to steward. I'm responsible. I'm, it's, it's my stewardship responsibility, but it, it really doesn't belong to me and it, it helps a lot. So um, I know some businesses will put whether it's a fish on their business or they'll say I have a scripture and that, that's, that is all good. But we here at the M companies, uh, we, we want um, you'll know tree by its fruit. So we, we want people to say our fruit and they'll know, and then we get to tell them uh, that to mm. be prepared to give an answer. So then when they ask, we can tell them. So, Excellent. I don't know if that like answers it. the question. Yeah, well, I like that you said that you're a coworker with your coworkers. You are being a steward of the work that God has trusted you just as your colleagues are. Yeah. And you're yeah, serving and they, the Lord. Yeah, and they go to bat. They do. Uh, they work, they outwork me. They outthink me a lot of times because they really do feel like that. I've heard it said that leadership without fellowship, you're just taking a stroll. So uh, God leads us all. And that's who we're following uh, in our weakness. And, and it, it makes things, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll even say easier because, mm. because we know he's leading. Definitely. All right. Here's a question, um, more of a testimony from someone. They said, I worked with my coworkers for several years and I don't know if they know I'm a Christian. I tend to keep quiet about my personal beliefs at work to keep the peace and also because I'm a quiet person. I want to speak up about my faith, but after so many years of working alongside them, I don't know what a good or appropriate way is to break the ice. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. So the ice is going to be broken. In this broken world, something's going to break. As much as we can depend on, well, not quite as much, but as much as we can depend on the Lord to heal and to bring life and light, we can depend on the world to hurt somebody, to break something, for, for broken things to take place. And they may see you as the person's kind of like the fun killer because they can't tell the dirty jokes around the water tank with you. They can have water tanks anymore. Mm. Water coolers. <laughs> but, but I'd rather be respected than admired. And when they see, they know that Christ is in you and that time comes, I would, uh, a good friend of mine, Freddie Barra uh, has, has a great example. He's like, I tell people that if, if anything ever happens in this broken world, this is what I believe. And if I can ever pray for you or, or with you, hey, come get me. And 
for someone to know they have a safe place to go do that, um, where it's salt of the earth and, and you're going to need salt eventually. So mm. they'll, they'll come to you and just stick around. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. You, you touched on this just a moment, but in case you can add anything to it, here's another um, personal testimony question. People at work know I'm a Christian because I act differently and don't engage in many of their conversations. Sometimes oh. I feel left out because they don't include me, but it's a catch 22 because I don't want to talk about what they're talking about, such as gossip, for example. So how can I re-engage them and build a relationship without compromising my convictions? Additionally, how can I share Christ with them in a natural way? Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of what we were just talking about, there's a, some similarities there, but it hurts when you are separated from everyone else. It, when, when you don't feel like you're part of the team because you believe something, and, and I know this happens in a lot of workforces. As soon as you, as people know that you are a Christian, um, it's just as damaging as any other label. They, if they, especially if that comes with inventory or stuff that they bring with them. So they may already discount you, like they already know what you're gonna say or think, so they just, they leave you out. And, and back to this broken world, I think there's an opportunity to just to, to, to share in someone's hurt with them and to speak about something that's, um, that's eternal. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has made all things beautiful in its time, in their time, but he's put eternity in the hearts of men. Sooner or later, we have to touch eternity. And, and if you're there to, to, to help with that, um, that's going to mean more than just a uh, a bad joke or uh, a silly moment or so. And I'd, it'd be great that you're there when everyone else is trying to just stay uh, in the shallow end of the pool and you're down there at the deep end saying, now I'm here when you're ready. Yes, so. that is absolutely, that's very good advice. Good encouragement. Final question we have here. And I feel like this is applicable now more than ever, but what if you have a work environment that is completely virtual and you don't have a lot of interaction with coworkers other than conference or Zoom calls or through email? Um, you want to somehow break that barrier, but how do you do that when you work virtually? Yeah, good question. So something is a phenomenon that took place in the church in churches and just in the last year and a half, two years called COVID. And uh, we, we mentioned that earlier. So a lot of folks have gone virtual in, in a lot. And, and a lot of people are hurting because they miss uh, the one another. I think it's said that in the New Testament alone, that one another is, is mentioned in scripture like a hundred times. And half of those times are directly uh, related scriptures that this is how you should do life with each other encourage one another, those things. So every, a lot of people are just lonely. And in the churches that saw a big drop in attendance, suddenly saw this online presence jump. And now that's starting to wane a little bit. So I think the same way you work is the same way you share. It, it may be through technology. It may very well be that you're just picking up a phone. So I know that we typically get on a Zoom call like this, but I just wanted to call you and say, I mean, how are you doing? Uh, you know, over here, it's kind of weird just working at this, this, this desk and I have these virtual calls. Um, I'm in my warmups all day long. I never get my, you know, my workout fit on. And uh, I just wanted to see how you're doing over there and just engage them. And just being engaged is a great opportunity that maybe everyone is just kind of in their own hole and you kind of step out of yours and say, hey, how you doing? So yeah, I think it's you're a good absolutely right. You're right. That is a good opportunity. There's nothing wrong. Um, with picking up the phone and, and calling someone personally. And I think that really does show that you care and you want to see how they're doing. And as believers, that mm -hmm. is our heart. Like God cares for them. Um, and we want to ask the Lord to open our eyes to see the people, the loss and the broken around us. And like you said, COVID, it's been challenging for a lot of people. So I think that that would really show your colleagues that you care on a deeper level because you're making that personal connection instead of just talking with them through email or seeing them on conference calls. So thanks for encouraging us with that. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people didn't think, oh, I can actually pick up the phone and call them and ask how they're doing. But I think that's a good suggestion. Well, 
Yeah, thanks, Mike. We're almost out of time here. But if you have any more questions or you want to connect with Mike, you can see his email right there, as well as his book that we mentioned earlier that just came out a few months ago. That is Wisdom and Encouragement for Sons. You can pick that up on um, Amazon. You can go to Walmart or Barnes and Noble. If you want to learn more about the book, you just go to the website, thetrailinthewoods.com. Now we have one more e and &E training before the year ends, and it's actually a week from tonight. So it's next December 16th. And the topic is how to make disciples, which to you might sound really broad um, or very narrow, but I can promise you that it's going to be an excellent final training that you don't want to miss. We have Brooke and Haley, who are mobilization training strategists at International Commission. They're going to be facilitating that training, so you don't want to miss it. You can go on and register um, actually tonight, right after this training. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Mike, for everything that you shared, and I just love how the Lord has blessed you in the business world and given you a heart to make him known and walk in obedience and glorify him with the jobs that he has entrusted to you. So thank you. Thank you for being with us. Um, and thank you everyone for taking an hour out of your evening. You have now been equipped and enabled to share Christ at work. So um, Mike, can I just ask you to close us out in prayer this evening? Yes, don't mind? Thank you. It'd be my pleasure. Let's pray. Father God, thank you just so much for our family in Christ that you give us brothers and sisters. And Lord, that uh, as we long for your kingdom to come and uh, for your will to be done here, as is in heaven, Father, that, that we know that all of our strength comes from you, that the joy of you is our strength. And we thank you for, for International Commission and the E&E training uh, that we can be thoroughly equipped to, to go share this most important, most urgent message in the world that Jesus paid for our sins and he has eternity in heaven waiting for us. Father, and um, we just we thank you, we love you, and we pray for peace in Israel. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you, Mike. Thank you.